the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Prayers Heard in Heaven. God wants to raise up an army of believers whose prayer shakes the nation and the nations of the world. God wants you to shake the evil out of its dwelling place in your family, in your workplace, in the nation. Prayers Heard in Heaven is a teaching ministry teaching God's people to pass blessings with prayer. In the fifth chapter of James, the Bible tells us to pray for one another that we may be healed and that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person availeth much. The following program, Prayers Heard in Heaven, with speaker and teacher Valerie Sneed, will help you learn to pray fervently and effectively and truly see results in prayer. Valerie Sneed, with Prayers Heard in Heaven, starts now. The title of today's message is The Power is Yours. Jesus made a transfer of power before he left, it began. And his ascension, once he made that ascension, he sat at the right hand of the Father. And your power became extraordinary. And it went to extraordinary heights. No matter how much I pray, I remain amazed at the work that God does through prayer. The power is yours, child of God. Will you use it? I want to show you a transfer of power today. That will alter your life. Please remember that when we spend this time together, I can make just one statement. And if you get a hold of that principle and apply it, it can alter your entire life. Are you ready for the great things that God has in store for you? God is ready to do a new thing in your life. Psalms 40 and 5 Many, O Lord, my God, are thy wonderful works, which thou hast done, and thy thoughts, which are to usward. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. What God wants to do in your life, a new thing, the great deeds that he wants to do are more than can be numbered. He wants to impact your life with his loving kindness because of his passion for you. He is absolutely devoted to the child of God. Today, I want to show you a transfer of power that's extraordinary. The power is yours. Isaiah 41, 18, I will open rivers in high places and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. God is going to do a new thing in your life. Is there a barren place? Dreams that have died, failures from the past, old hurts, and the wounds are very deep. Well, no more. The sovereign Lord says this to you today. Revelation 2, 1. And he that sat upon the throne said, behold, I make all things new. This is not the message that I planned for you today, but this is the word that God has given me. Second Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, 
all things are become new. He said he makes all things new. You have to get a hold of this. He's doing a new thing for you, even as you are hearing this message. You know, once I was speaking to a lady and she was telling me about her aunt, about how bad her aunt had treated her. And I was feeling just so sorry. And and I'm listening to her describe how she loved someone so dearly. This was her favorite aunt. But her aunt never loved her back. And she's just telling me all the mean things that her aunt was doing. And as she continued to tell me this, some parts of what she was saying sounded so familiar. So I'm listening to her. And then I said, well, well, wait a minute. I said, "Um, is she still alive? Because this sounded so familiar. And she said, no. She died five years ago. I said, oh, my goodness. Are you telling me about something that happened like really long time? ago?" She said, yeah, I'm talking about my childhood. This lady's like 60 some years old. I'm like, oh, okay." But she was speaking as though the lady was doing these things to her right now. Psalms 105 says this. He crowns you with love and mercy, a paradise crown. He wraps you in goodness, beauty, eternal. He renews your youth. You're always in his presence. We have to get healed from the past hurts and failures to go forward to the new day that God has blessed us with. Sometimes we find ourselves in places where the hurt is so great that we can't let it go. That's when we have to realize, I can't do this on my own. Lord, take the hurt from me. Lord, heal me. Take this deep wound from my heart. Restore me within and make me new. I am so wounded within that I can't give you this situation. I can't give you my hurt. Please take it from me. When you pray like this, then stretch out your hand and lift it to heaven and say, Lord, take this hurt from me. Heal my soul and hand it to him. Our trials and challenges are what purifies the soul. Psalms 42 says, Why are you cast down on my soul? Why the unease within me? Put your hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the salvation of his presence. God is with you in the midst of your trial. When we turn to him, he answers with great and mighty deeds. The power is yours. The moment we turn from the problem to seek him and we praise him for his presence, Even when we cannot sense his presence, that's when the situation begins to be turned and healed. Use your power to be healed. Turn to him and ask him to take your hurt, and he will. Let's pray. Abba, Abba, Daddy, Daddy. We lift up the name that's above every name, the name that every knee shall bow to and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We lift up the name, the name that's above, cancer, heart attack, stroke, leukemia, kidney failure, lung failure, the name that's above all sickness and disease, the name that's above poverty and lack, and it must obey. The name that's above debt, above divorce, adultery, betrayal, the name that's above anxiety, worry, fear, and insomnia, the name that's above bullying and harassment, the name that's above courtroom battles and surgery, the name that's above war and famine, 
We lift up that name that's above everything that we could possibly face. The name of Jesus. We lift up that name today, proclaiming glory and honor and praising, knowing that your name is above every circumstance. Oh, brothers and sisters, lift up the name that's above every circumstance that we face. The name of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Jesus' ministry was busy. He was going across the regions of the country doing great deeds. Jesus' heart's desire is that we use his name that he has given us, power from on high. As he's traveling across the countryside, he takes his disciples to Caesarea Philippi. From where Jesus was coming from, he was traveling at least 12 hours it would take by foot. Caesarea Philippi was a pagan city where Greek gods were worshipped. There's a cliff where the people of that day built shrines and temples to worship the Greek gods. One of the gods that was worshipped there was Pan. Pan was half man and half goat. In the cliff, the people built shrines and temples to worship false gods. The place was full of immorality. The people did horrible acts to worship the God and the gods of fertility. I visited this area in Israel just a week ago. It was breathtaking, to say the least. We traveled up the mountainside. The guide told us, don't look down. Whatever you do, do not look down. We're traveling up the mountainside in a van, and it's winding around and around as we go up the side of this mountain. It was really more like a cliff that we're climbing. And if you're afraid of heights when you go there, don't look down. If you aren't afraid of heights, don't look down. Well, full of faith, I looked down. Oh, my goodness. As the vehicle was traveling up the mountainside, when you look down, you feel like you're hanging from a cliff. I mean, you don't even feel like you're inside of a vehicle. And as you're climbing up the steep mountainside, it's unbelievable. And we're going up the side of this mountain and it's winding around and around and around. And it's as though the road is so narrow, there's not enough room for the car to stay on the path. It is extremely narrow. And this driver was driving really fast. And you're just thinking like, oh, my goodness, what in the world made me make this decision today to go up this mountainside? I looked down again and suddenly I decided, okay, are we going to make it? You know, and I just had to call on God and just have faith as we're climbing to this steep place. And I'm wondering, is this really going to be worth it when we reach the top of this mountain? Why did Jesus take his disciples to this particular place where we arrived? And as we step out, there are the ruins. It is extraordinary. Part of the altars are still there. The opening to the cave is there. But why did Jesus choose this place? Good Jews didn't come to this city. They didn't come to Caesarea Philippi. What did the master have in mind? Jesus is going to challenge the disciples this day. And he is going to establish power between heaven and earth. The same power that's yours. This is a place of great evil. Inside this cave There's a rushing of water. The pagans believe that the water was symbolic, representing the underworld where the gods traveled between earth and hell through the caves. Therefore, the caves 
where the waters gushed was the gateway to hell. In this place, there was prostitution and all kinds of sexual and moral acts and all kinds of misconduct took place in the city of Caesarea Philippi. Jesus brings his disciples to this place to change all of eternity. Jesus used the culture and the setting in which he lived to make great impact, to teach. The disciples would never forget this city. Long after he passed away, they had to remember this day. And Jesus taught an important lesson there. Church history is about to be made. Matthew sixteen thirteen, and I'll paraphrase, if you will. When Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, who do they say that I am? And they said, some say, thou art John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets of old. And he saith unto them, but who do you say that I am? There had to be silence. As the disciples thought, pondering this question, who do you say that I am? Remember where they are standing? They're standing in the midst of Caesarea Philippi, in the midst of a place where pagan gods are worshipped. And Jesus asked a question, and all of eternity is altered. Who do you say that I am? There must have been silence as the disciples are thinking. He's healed the sick. He's cast out devils. He's opened the ears of the deaf. And they've witnessed these miracles. And now he asks the ultimate question, who do you say that I am? What do you believe? And here they stand in a place where false gods are worshipped and horrible acts are committed. Worship with horrible sacrifice. This takes place here. Deliverance and healing is what Jesus has represented to them. That's what they've seen. Who do you say? That I am since the fall of man, all of creation had awaited the moment of Christ entering the world and taking victory over darkness. Remember when Adam fell, when man fell, the Bible says all of creation moaneth and travail. And Simon Peter answers the question, thou art the Messiah, the son of the living God. Can we imagine? Can we just realize that moment the disciples are awestruck Israel has waited the prophesying of Isaiah over 600 years ago for the coming of the Messiah and now he stands before their very eyes heaven and earth must have paused the atmosphere is supernaturally charged as the words are spoken by Peter you are the Messiah the son of the living God The hope of Israel is here. The redemption of souls, the savior of the world stands before them. And Jesus answered and said unto them, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto thee, but my father, which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, thou art Peter. And Peter means rock. And he says, thou art Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus makes a power move. 
and the disciples ascend to a new level. He then gives them new privileges. The words that he speaks next transcend time and space. The words spoken resonate, living and never dying, bringing believers privileges and power through him. Matthew sixteen nineteen, and Jesus says, I give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and earth. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now the disciples can stand between heaven and earth and the gates of hell would not prevail against them. And he's saying the same thing for you today. Jesus destroyed any power that the disciples believed was there. That same transfer of power is yours today because you know that he is the Messiah, the son of the living God. Go ahead, stretch forth your hand right now and receive the keys to the kingdom because they belong unto you. He said, I give you the keys to the kingdom. Now you stand between heaven and earth and the gates of hell will not prevail against you. The future belongs to the mediator between heaven and earth. The future belongs to the intercessor that understand that they stand between heaven and earth. Jesus gave us rights and privileges of using his name. And he gave unto us the keys to the kingdom. But so often time people bind and they loose and it's of no effect. And I know you want to know today, how does that happen? If he said, I give unto you the keys to the kingdom, that whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. But why is it some acts, Valerie? I bind and I loose and nothing happens. What is the key to it? Remember, Jesus was standing there with the disciples. They were standing in the presence of the Almighty. And he said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So what is the secret That he was giving them. They were standing in his presence. Whenever you bind and whenever you loose, you must be in the spirit. Because if you aren't, when you bind and you loose, your words will be of no effect. You must be in the spirit. And that's what happens so often. People pray for healing. They are not in the spirit. The flow of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Ghost, the anointing. It's not activated at that time. When you are in worship and you feel the anointing, the presence of the Holy Spirit is evident. That's when you bind and you loose. Remember, they were standing in the presence of the Almighty. And that's what you must be doing. The anointing must be flowing. And then when you tell the enemy to decease, to stop his activity, when you bind that spirit of whoredoms, of adultery, of murder, when you bind that spirit, every perverse spirit, every rebellious spirit, every spirit of the Antichrist, when you are operating in the realm of the spirit and you bind and you loose, that's when you see results. 
Jesus said this in John fourteen thirteen. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the son can bring glory to the father. He's saying, go ahead, use my name. He has given us the power of attorney to use his name. When the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven. He was set down in the place of honor at God's right hand. I've gone further now into the New Testament. Jesus sat down because he transferred his authority to you. If we pray the way that Jesus said pray and do what Jesus said to do, when we walk in obedience to his word, I'm telling you, you're going to be untouchable. The things that the enemy, the fiery darts that he will send at you, they'll come to naught. When you are accused, God will vindicate you. You will not be conquered for the place that you stand is holding ground. Nothing that the enemy throws at you is going to overcome you. Obedience to the word of God, crying out to him for strength and endurance in the trials of life. I'm going off on a side journey for just a moment, but I'm talking about power from on high. Matthew 25, 35 says this, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and grave you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and we clothed you. Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say this to them, Assuredly, I say unto you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. We reap what we sow. This is power from on high. I'm convinced that as we do the works of God, And walk about doing good. You're building a mansion in heaven. Even as we pray. Our prayer. Coupled together with good deeds. You see. Recently as of late. We don't hear about doing good deeds. But remember I know you've heard me say. When I was a kid. My father's sister. When someone would do some deed for someone else. She'd say that's another star in his crown. Don't you know. That's another star. In her crown, Jesus walked about doing good and the disciples saw him doing good. The call of his heart today is walk about doing good, bind and loose, deliverance, set the captives free, walk about doing good deeds, walk in the footsteps of Christ and he will answer your prayer, worship When you are in prayer, go into deep worship, singing, raising your voice in praise to him, reading psalms and scriptures of praise and worship. And when you do, you will find the anointing will fall upon you. When the anointing has fallen upon you, that's when you bind and loose. That's when you pray for the sick 
and they are delivered. That's when we see the great acts of God happen in other people's lives. I was praying just a week ago for some children who are in deep, deep rebellion. I mean, where the principals couldn't handle them, the teachers couldn't handle them, odds were taking place. I want to tell you that the parents' report is of good behavior, but I'm praying when I'm deep in the spirit. And then the Lord brings forth those names that I need to call up and present to him. Worship him. Worship him in spirit and in truth. Bringing the word of God before the Lord at the throne of grace. Bind and loose when the anointing has fallen upon you. That's the power of almighty God. And the Holy Spirit will then take over and do the praying. The power is yours. Will you use it, child of God? Today, you are the intercessor standing between heaven and earth. And when you say, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, his will will be done. I'm Valerie Sneed with Prayers Heard in Heaven, teaching God's people to pray. You've been listening to Valerie Sneed with Prayers Heard in Heaven. If you missed any of the program, listen next Sunday evening at 5.30. For more information about their weekly live prayer call, visit their website at prayersheardinheaven.org.